0: My name is Brandon, I'm one of the pastors here, um, and just excited uh, for the privilege to get to share God's word with you this morning and to, to be able to look at Jesus together. And so let's just take a moment and pray um, for God to be with us during this time. Father, we, we just uh, we thank you for your word, um, its power in our lives, God, and I pray that you would, um, Lord, help us to see who you are today, um, and Lord, just to be equipped to go out of here to share who you are with the world around us. God, we, um, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit um, that I might proclaim with clarity uh, your word and that we all might be filled with your spirit with ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you would say for us so that leaving this place, we might look more like Jesus and walk in the courage of Jesus um, than when we first walked in. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... Um, There's this thing uh, that we've all come to uh, hear more about in the news recently that uh, you're probably tired of hearing about, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about it right now. Um, It's called the supply chain, right? The global supply chain. Uh, We've all become all too familiar with this thing because we're all feeling the effects of it. COVID, a ship named Ever Given that got stuck in the Suez Canal um, halfway around the world, um, and, and a whole host of other things have exposed its complexity and its fragility, Like how just a few things can begin to like bring this huge complex global supply chain almost to a grinding halt. And people's livelihoods rely on this complex system that can be paralyzed by just any kink in the chain. And we all experienced the start of it, right? It was the toilet paper crisis of 2020, right? I mean, like most of us like, didn't feel the effects of COVID first. We felt the effects of the toilet paper issue, right? And so um, businesses and consumers are all feeling the ramifications of the failure to deliver materials and products from one step to another. Like we, we experienced that like if you're looking for a car right now, it's a terrible time to buy a car, right? Because of all the supply chain issues with different aspects of building cars and delivering them. And so there's this huge complex global supply chain, and uh, it's not working as great as it used to. Um, And yet, like when we look at the Gospel of John, the whole point of John's Gospel is like, I know this is a little corny, but I'm just a corny person, so deal with it. Um, uh, Like, that it's this gospel supply chain, all right, in which he writes this gospel in order that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we might have life in his name. By believing in him. And so he's playing, like Jesus is that source of life. And he, his goal in writing this is to deliver the life of Jesus into people's lives that don't yet know him. And that's John 20, 31 that I mentioned a moment ago. But then he begins his book in verse 4 uh, with this. He says, in him, talking about Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And so he wants to deliver the life of Jesus to those that need life, which is every human being, right? We've all been born into separation from God because of our sin of choosing to follow after ourselves and, and to be our own Kings rather than to be submitted to the King, the good and gracious King of the universe. And so he's pointing us to this life that we can have in Jesus and then he immediately turns, like in verse 6, to, to talk about this guy named John the Baptist. In the midst of this passage, really verse 1 all the way to verse 18, it's this incredible pac- passage talking about Jesus and his, his, his life-giving power, his grace-giving um, life. And, and yet in the midst of this are just a couple verses in which he talks about this guy named John the Baptist. And it just seems like, why are you bringing this in? And today we're, we're looking at another story about John the Baptist at the beginning of all of this. And we learned that like last week and the weeks before, John points forward to Jesus. He was kind of preparing the way. Um, but, but why does he mention him right there in that? Like it makes sense maybe to start the story, but in this introductory kind of prelude to the gospel of John, like why does he break up talking about how amazing Jesus is with this guy named John? I think there's an important reason. He immediately turns to talk to him because, about John the Baptist because his core identity is as a witness. That's what John is. He's a witness. Why introduce him in the midst of this incredible passage? Even though the book is all, supposed to be all about Jesus, well, I believe John is introduced here, and then as we look at him in our story, because the author recognizes that, that, that people are God's means for delivering the life of Jesus to others. That through the witness of people, God intends to use us as a part of his supply chain of getting the life of Jesus into the lives of others. And so John the Baptist is meant to serve as this paradigm, this picture of how we, you and I, fit into the story of Jesus. And fit into God's story for all of history. And so John the Baptist, uh, he came before Jesus and points forward to Jesus. He lay, essentially tried to lay out the red carpet for Jesus and so that people would recognize him when he shows up on the scene. We though, coming after Jesus, point back to him, sharing with others that Jesus is the life and that he gives life to those that don't have it. And so like where John the Baptist sits in this story, we I mean we fit in a different spot in history, but we fit in that same seat on the bus. All right, like that's the part of the story that we fit into. Our mission is the same as John the Baptist, as well as like the author of this, John the Apostle, who wrote this book. It's to deliver the life of Jesus to a dying world. So that's the gospel supply chain. Paul talks about it elsewhere um, in, in Romans chapter 10. Um, And kind of gives us, like, he just lays out, like, uh, in in stark clarity, this gospel supply chain. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verse 14 of Romans 10, he says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And I'm not just talking about doing what I'm doing right now. Like, preaching, that word there is actually um, just the simple, like, communication proclamation of a message and so how are they to hear without someone telling them about Jesus how are they to believe and call on his name we are the one potential kink in the gospel supply chain like like Jesus's life is there and ready for everyone and God intends though to use you and me to deliver it to a world that is in need And the problem is is that we often make delivering the life of Jesus way too complicated. And as a result... We're that kink in the chain that fails to deliver. Like God wants to do amazing things, but bring the life of Jesus into this world, and He wants to use us to do it so that the lives are transformed and communities are turned upside down by the gospel, that, that those who are that are enslaved to addictions would be set free, that those who are put down by depression or anxiety would would find the peace and comfort that only Jesus can give, that those who are walking through suffering might be able to find the one who weeps with them and provides life for them in the midst of that. That we could be a part of that, and yet we often let our fears complicate how simple the mission really is. We start all these what ifs. What if I freeze in the moment? What if I don't have all the answers? What what if I get rejected? What if I say the wrong thing? What if? What if? What if? What ifs begin to paralyze us? And out of fear... We become the kink in that supply chain of Jesus' life to those who need him. But the good news is this. What we see in this passage that Nathan read for us a moment ago is that our mission is simple. Our mission is simple. See Jesus, share Jesus, and watch Jesus work. Our mission is simple. See Jesus, share Jesus, watch Jesus work. And so that's what we're going to walk through the rest of our time together this morning. See Jesus, share Jesus, watch Jesus work. That's the simplicity of our mission. And in this story, what we see is this pattern that repeats over and over again throughout the whole thing of of people seeing Jesus and then sharing Jesus. They see Jesus and then share Jesus. So let's look at at this story and, and how people see Jesus. First off, John saw Jesus for who he is. John was Jesus's cousin, so like he'd grown up physically seeing Jesus, and yet um, he, he talks about, "I didn't know who the one was that I was baptizing in order to point to." But this time, at the beginning of this passage, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He 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 recognized Jesus for who he truly was. We know why, because a little bit later, uh, John gives witness. He says in verse 32, John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, and he had not known him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so what John's recounting there is the baptism of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came down on him, and the Father proclaimed, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so John the Baptist was there. I mean, he's the one that baptized Jesus, and he sees this, and he knows suddenly in that moment that I've been pointing to the Messiah this whole time, and now he's right here in front of me. He sees Jesus, and then he begins to share Jesus, Right? He had seen the, his cousin all throughout his life, and, but then he finally realized, no, Jesus is the promised one. And so having seen Jesus for who he really is, then he shares Jesus with others. But it's got to start with seeing Jesus for who he really is. Over and over again, like we see this, um, this pattern, like I said, in verse 29, he saw Jesus coming toward him, he saw him, and then he says, behold, he, he calls other people to see him, And then he shares, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 32. He says, and John bore witness. All right, so it's kind of reversed here, but it's saying he bore witness. So he was sharing, I saw the Spirit of God. And so he's sharing what he saw. Verse 34 says, and I have seen and have borne witness. He saw, and as a result, I bore witness. I shared with others. Verse 36 he once again, he sees Jesus coming and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He sees him again and he shares him again. And then verse 39 and 41, we see this go on in, in other people's lives as well. It's not just John the Baptist, but we see how this is the paradigm for everyone who sees Jesus, that they share Jesus. All right. So in verse 39 um, uh, two of John's disciples begin to follow after Jesus, um, and, and that's just simply like like they were literally like physically following him. They, like spiritually, yet I don't. They weren't really there um, because they're like they're just coming to Jesus. Jesus starts the conversation and he says, "What are you seeking? Like, what do you want, guys? <laughs> like, why are you following me?" Um, and they said to him, "Rabbi," which means teacher. Where are you staying? And he said to them, "Come, and you will see." Once again, he's inviting them to come and see and Jesus often right he kind of had like like his meaning in his words was thick right it wasn't just like maybe what they saw like okay he just wants us to come see where he's staying and and then we'll ask if we can stay there right but Jesus is is really like that's the invitation of Jesus for everyone like come and see come and see who I am and 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 so that's what he's getting at and then when they do they come and they stay with him and they see him for who he really is what does andrew do well he um he goes. He finds his own brother Simon in verse 41, and he says to him, "We have found the Messiah." He saw him, and then he shared him. And so, look like the first step for all of us, like in this mission, and it is simple, but it first starts with seeing Jesus. We've got to see Jesus before we can share Jesus. And John shows us exactly what we need to see in Jesus. So let's look at them together. In verse 29. Um, Look, there's, there's, I mean, we can unpack and see Jesus for all of eternity, and we will never exhaust all that you can see about Jesus because he's the God of the universe. He's infinite, and that's the glorious thing. Like, for all of eternity, we'll never get bored. All right, if you ever uh, saw the, the show um, The Good Place, Um, Like, the end of the show, well, uh, maybe spoilers, but um, anyway, the end of the show is about how, like, the good places gets boring and um, and all this sort of stuff, and um, it's because, like, you just run out of things to, like, to learn or do, and it's just, like, it gets repetitive, but here's the beauty of eternal life with God, the infinite one, you'll never get bored. Because there's always more of God and his beauty to explore and come to know. And so, but like in order for us to go on mission, like we don't have to like know God fully. We just need to be able to see him on a basic level. And really, it's this key thing that John starts with with proclaiming here Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. See, for the Jews in John's day. This would have brought all kinds of things to mind from their history, the history of Israel, throughout their uh, their time, they, they, their religion, um, the way they practiced um, worship of God was through sacrifice of animals. They they sacrificed lambs in order um, as a picture of and 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 really to point forward to Jesus, even if they didn't realize it fully at the time, it was to point forward to Jesus. But it was lambs were sacrificed to take on the judgment of sin. Like that was the picture there, that they were taking on the sins of the people. And in Egypt, even before all that was fully set up, um, the, a lamb was slain when God's people were enslaved in In Egypt and Pharaoh was keeping them there Moses was there's plague after plague after plague well the final one was that death was going to come to all the firstborn sons of both Israel and Egypt but hey here's the way that you could avoid that judgment here is the way that they could avoid having death enter in it was to sacrifice a lamb and put its blood above the doorpost and that's how that judgment would pass over if people would trust in God's way for deliverance and so a lamb, like this lamb imagery, the lamb of God imagery that, that John uses here to, to proclaim about Jesus, like it was thick with meaning for the people. John was showing those around him that Jesus is the one who can wipe away your sin. He's the one that can wipe away all of the, the things that like where you fell short of all of your shame and guilt and fears. And he could deliver you from the judgment that you deserve, that, that not only they deserved in their day, but you and I deserve now. That's the message. He's saying Jesus is the mercy of God that that you don't get what you deserve in judgment. And he passes his judgment over you. But he's also the grace of God in that he he not only takes away your sin, but he's the the one who gives you life. He's the one who gives you life. And I was trying to think of an image that really pictures in our culture today this this idea of of taking away judgment, um, of of, uh, kind of uncanceling someone, Uh, but the problem is, is our culture's like, you don't find that anywhere because our culture is so full of judgment, right? It's so full of like this cancel culture. And I'm talking like the right or the left, it doesn't matter. Like it is full of cancel culture and judgment that people live in such a way of such anxiety and fear that, that you might simply say one wrong thing. You might throw out one wrong tweet or one bad TikTok video and suddenly like, like you're an outcast as a result. You might even lose your job at the drop of a hat Many live in fear that if someone finds out their secret, that they're doomed because once it's out there, you know. In this social media age, you can't put it back into the box. Once it's on the internet, it's there forever, right? You can't put it back in. And once again, I'll try not to give any spoilers, but if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home, you're probably not going to at this point, right? Um, And so Spider-Man No Way Home is a great picture of the reality of our culture today. Like, his secret that he's Peter Parker gets out, um, that's not the spoiler, everyone knows, like, my three-year-old knows Spider-Man's Peter Parker, right? Um, So his secret gets out, right, that he's Peter Parker, and there is simply no way to undo it, right? It's out there, everyone in the world knows. And so the only way for him to undo it is for him to simply pay the price for it. He realizes that he can't get the secret back in. Like the whole movie is about trying to get it back in without, like, in order, like, while he tries to hang on to all the things he wants to hang on to, and that's the, like, you see everything go crazy. Um, and man, it was a fun movie, right? Um, anyway, um, but uh, he he realizes he can't get the secret back in without paying the price. But the good news is, is it unlike that? The good news about Jesus is that he knows all of our secrets. He knows everything about us. He knows all of our sins, all of our hang-ups, all of our bad habits. And yet he came, knowing all of that, to take our judgment for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. The judgment that you and I deserve for sinning against a holy God, for breaking his law. He died in our place so that we could have acceptance before the God of the universe. Not only acceptance, but like that when, when God proclaimed, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, like we can have that kind of approval from the God who's created everything. And that's what Jesus came to die for so that he could take on our sins. The judgment of God was poured out on him on the cross. That's what makes the cross so amazing. Is not that, that man, Jesus went through so much physical pain, but it's that he actually bore the spiritual weight and judgment and pain for the sins of all of humanity throughout all time, that if we would accept him, we would have the mercy of God. And then he rose from the dead so that we could have life with him forever. It's mercy on the cross and grace in his his resurrection that we can have both our judgment wiped clean, our sins wiped clean, and life given to us in the full, both here and now and forever. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world our slate gets wiped clean so that even if our secrets get out, even if we're outcast and shunned or simply ignored by society or family or friends, God will always love you. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. What amazing news that is. And we need to see that Jesus. If you've never seen Jesus for all he is as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, if you've never Like seeing him spiritually in that light, just see him today. Because when you see that and you trust in him as your savior and Lord, then suddenly the God of the universe calls you child, and he gives you life that you can never lose. A family that's always yours. He will never leave you or forsake you. No matter how much you mess up in the future, no matter how much you've messed up in the past. Like Jesus wipes that slate clean. And when God the Father looks at you, he no longer sees the good or the bad. What he sees is Jesus. And he loves you unconditionally. That's the good news. And so just if you've never seen Jesus in that light today, just trust him. Stop trusting yourself to provide life that only Jesus can. To find it in some sort of success or some, some sort of approval of others, just see Jesus and trust him turn from trusting in yourself. But if you've seen Jesus in that way and you you want to participate in his mission, what we have to realize is that seeing Jesus isn't just a one-time event. It's not just a one-time event in which we see Jesus and then we're just kind of content with that and we can go on sharing him in that way. But, But no, seeing Jesus, we need to see Jesus over and over again because the more we see Jesus, the more courage and clarity we'll have to share Jesus. The more we see Jesus, the more courage and clarity we'll have to to share Jesus with others. And so I just want to encourage you, like, what's it look like to see Jesus? Like, set aside a time to be in this word. Because not just the Gospels that are all about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but from beginning of this book to the end of this book, it's all about him. Like, it's all about pointing to him. And so no matter where you land, like, you can see Jesus there. And so I just encourage you, set aside time with the Lord on a daily basis so that you can read and, and you can see Jesus. And just ask the Holy Spirit, like, like show, show me where Jesus is in this. Show me, show me Jesus. And then I encourage you just to see Jesus in his people. In the love and the service of God's people, you see the love and service of Jesus because that same Holy Spirit that came and anointed Jesus at his baptism is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and me now. And we need to see Jesus in, in one another's lives. And tell you, my wife and I saw Jesus in the life of his people yesterday. Uh, way totally unexpected, just really humbled. We uh, we were traveling to sell Becca's embroidery machine, and so we traveled over to uh, O'Fallon, Illinois, um, and we uh, get off the interstate um, and stop at a stoplight and. Uh, like I was like, did you just feel that jerk? And I was like, well, no. That, like, that was just Wyatt. He kicked me really hard in the back. Like, I think it jerked the whole car, right? Um, I was, yeah, trying to say, no, the car's fine. Um, and then we get up and we go from the the red light, and suddenly the car is just like, like this. And I'm like, I don't know much about cars, but that's probably not good. Um, and, and so we start going, and suddenly, like, it's just, like, not going, and then going, and then jerking, and then it was just all sorts of, like, terrible, like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, And so we were, like, two miles from where we needed to get to, so I just kind of, like, forced the car ever so surely to get there. Um... Who knows if I tore it up worse? I don't know. But we got it to where we were going, and so we're two and a half hours away from home. Um, my, I forgot the boys' coats that morning, um, which is a great dad uh, moment for me. Um, and so we're there. They don't have coats, um, and we're trying to figure out what in the world we do. But man, God's people showed up, and we saw Jesus' love um, all day yesterday when um, one of uh, my brothers uh, who lives in, um, my Christian brother, not my physical brother. I lives in St. Louis and um, called him up and was like, uh, man, I, like, I hate to ask you to do this. He's a pastor there um, and uh, still needed to be working on his sermon. And Saturdays are like the only day pastors get half the time. And I was like, but dude, like I'm stranded here, three kids, two and a half hours away, um, and our transmission is gone. Um, and so uh, he like immediately hops in the car to come get us and we called someone at Anthem, and a dear brother uh, offered to come and spend half of his Saturday coming to meet us halfway in Chesterfield and to bring us back. And a sister from this family loaned him a car, because when you have three kids with three car seats under five, like, like you, got, you need basically a bus to get around, right? So um, they, they loaned him a car that he took and then came and got us. And, uh, man, we just saw the love of Jesus and his people yesterday. I'm just so grateful. And, and so, like, we need to see Jesus in his word, yes, but we need to see Jesus in one another and be encouraged um, and just be reminded, like, man, that's a small way in which we see Jesus in one another, and how much more did Jesus serve us by laying down his life for us? We, we also, though, need to see him moment by moment. And we don't just need to see him in the time we set aside for him or in the times we happen to interact with one another. But we need, we need to create habits and rhythms in our moment-by-moment moment life in which we pause Which we slow down enough while we're at work or we're going about the craziness of family life. And we just recognize, we're able to like just pause and pray sometimes. Sometimes it's just having the consciousness to to say, like, man, to recognize Jesus at work in and around you. One practice that, that I've started doing is like setting some alarms throughout my day. that go off and remind me of that. Um, and so I've set three to have moments of, of prayer throughout my day. It's something that in the history of the church, we've seen um, just great men and women of God uh, pause and, and do that at a kind of morning, noon, and, and uh, evening prayer. And, um, and so just encourage you to like find some rhythm that works for you so that you can pause and not only pray, but just ask Jesus, like, where are you at work without, around me? me to see you at work around me. So be intentional about seeing Jesus in his word. But here's more good news about the simplicity of this mission. You don't have to wait until you see a certain amount of Jesus to take part in the mission of Jesus. You don't have to wait until you have some great theological understanding and you can like recite creeds or, or you can like quote back a certain number of Bible verses or you can like basically recite a, a part of a systematic theology textbook about Jesus. Like the, the good news is, is our mission is simple. See Jesus, share Jesus, and watch Jesus work. And so when we're talking about sharing Jesus now, what we see in John is that John shared what he had seen so far. He shared as much as he knew at the time that he was able to witness to Jesus. At one point, he said, I don't, like, I don't know who it was or who I'm pointing to, but, but this is what I do know about him. And he would baptize people and would point forward to the one who was going to wipe away their sins. And then later, when, when he did know more, he, when he had seen more of Jesus, he shared more particularly. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said, Elsewhere in this passage, he said, um, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And so he gives more and more, uh, he shares more and more as he sees more and more of Jesus. Andrew does the same thing in the second half of this passage. He shared what he had seen. And honestly, like, that wasn't very much, right? Like, he, like he, got, he heard from John the Baptist Check out this Jesus guy. He goes and Jesus is like, What 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 do you want? And uh, I mean, probably kinder than that, right? But um, he says, What do you want? And and um he says, like, where are you staying? And and so they go and they stay with him and and they see Jesus and it's like, oh, like, John's right. This is the one we've been waiting for. And so he goes to to his brother Peter and he says, dude, like. The guy we've been waiting for is here. Like, that, Messiah means, like, promised one. It means anointed one. It's the one that the Jews have been waiting for. And so he's essentially just saying, like, in the way we would talk today, like, the one we've been waiting for is here. The one that, that God has promised, the one that, that can bring life, he's here. That's all he shares. He doesn't know much more. I mean, you got, like... That's the reality. He didn't understand a lot about Jesus. Think, like, if you've read through the Gospels before, think about how much they misunderstood about Jesus, about him being the Messiah. Like, the Jews as a whole misunderstood a whole lot over their time with Jesus. Andrew didn't have an impressive understanding of Jesus, what it meant for him to be the Messiah. He simply knew that he was the one that he'd been waiting for. And so he shared that with his brother. And so everyone who has seen Jesus can share him. That's the simplicity of sharing Jesus. It's this. It's that simply share what you've seen. Simply share what you've seen. Share what you know about Jesus already. And you're essentially inviting people to do what John did. Behold, right? See Jesus to allow the Spirit to reveal who Jesus is through a variety of means, we're going to talk about three specific ones. You could you could share Jesus simply by what you've seen, in your testimony, in the Word of God, and in the church. So I want to get really practical now. Like, like what's that look like? But but I know that before, like. Like we've got to recognize once again, these fears begin to crop up in us as we, we start thinking about these practical ways to share the Jesus with people, fears begin to crop up, right? What if I don't have all the answers? I haven't seen very much of Jesus. What if people ask me something and I don't know how to respond or I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to say at all and I just kind of freeze up? Like we said earlier, the problem with these questions is that we're overcomplicating the call to share Jesus. Our mission is not to have the perfect argument or all the answers for people. Like Jesus can stand on his own if we'll simply point to him. Look, I'm not saying Christian apologetics is a bad thing. Apologetics means like defense of the faith, like, and so apologetics is the study to to help make arguments to defend the the rationality, the logical um, arguments for following Jesus, that kind of thing. Um, it's, It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, even. But what I'm saying is that the power of our sharing is not in the power of our persuasion. It's not in the skill in which we lay out an argument or the amount of knowledge that we have. The power is in the person of Jesus, not the power of our persuasion. Our call is simply to share Jesus to the degree that we've seen him. Share what you've seen. We see Jesus. We share Jesus. We see Jesus some more, we share more of Jesus. We see Jesus some more, we share even more of him with others. So practically, let's get really practical here. How do we do that? One, we share Jesus in our life. A simple testimony, or a witness, right? Bearing witness, as John talks about it here. Share Jesus in your life. And I actually want to be even simpler than just the, um, like, oftentimes, if you've been, like, equipped to share your testimony, it's, um, you're like, it's, it'll tell the story of Jesus in your life, and and that's a good thing to do. But I want to get even simpler than that. I want to talk about like a one-sentence testimony. A one-sentence testimony. Because we're not talking about the fanciness of our argument, the beauty of our story. We just want people to see Jesus, right? And so I believe you can give a one-sentence testimony to Jesus and people can see him. And maybe you're single and you struggle with loneliness, but you've experienced the comfort of Jesus' presence and love. Maybe your spouse has left you and you walked through a messy divorce, but you've seen how Jesus has never left your side, how he helps you pick up the pieces and and brought restoration. You can share with others who feel lonely and betrayed or broken that you have met someone. I've met someone who's always with you and will never leave you. You can share that. That one-sentence testimony. Introduce them to Jesus very simply. Maybe you're a student who's wrestled with never feeling good enough. Whether that's from that comparison game that happens on social media or never hitting your own measures of success. Or maybe it's getting the approval based on someone else's measures of success, your parents or others. And yet you've experienced maybe just the beginning of peace and joy that Jesus can bring, knowing that that God accepts you unconditionally through Jesus. That you can share with others around you struggling with those same things that I've met someone who loves you no matter what, and no no matter what other people think of you, and no matter how well my day is going, I know someone who loves me no matter what, and that love is available to you too. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a chronic illness, or maybe you've suffered the loss of your job. Yet in the midst of that, you saw how Jesus can be your refuge, your comforter who also weeps with you, and your provider. When you encounter someone then, I mean, what a truth you have to share with someone who's going through suffering on their own. You can share with them, yes, there's no easy way through your pain. And I'm not saying that God's going to remove that pain immediately. But I know someone who can understand what you're going through, can provide comfort for you, and hope no matter how dark your days get. And so think about this. Get to a one-sentence testimony in your life. A really simple thing, and this is two steps to get there. Think about how has Jesus shown up in your life? How have you seen Jesus in your life? I want to encourage you to spend. I'm giving you homework, okay? So I know SALT students are like, great, more homework. Um, so, but here's the deal. Really easy homework. Think about how Jesus has shown up in your life. Maybe talk about it with people you came with or people that, um, that you're going to go home to. Um, and write out a one-sentence testimony to the power of Jesus, all right? So ask the question. How has Jesus shown up in your life? Talk about that with someone. And then finish this sentence, I know someone who. I know someone who. And finish that sentence. And then just be prepared that as you go about your day and your life, that when you encounter someone who's walking through something maybe similar to you or who's struggling with some of the same things you've struggled with, just share your one-sentence testimony. I know someone who, whatever it may be for you, so share Jesus in your life through a one-sentence testimony. Number two, share Jesus in his word. Share Jesus in his word. One of the simplest and best ways to share Jesus is to invite people to see him in his word. Because we know that like this is God's way of showing us who Jesus is, first and foremost, without error. So it's the, one of the best ways, one of the simplest ways. and And so really, like, people will be surprisingly open to an invitation just to, hey, w- would you be interested in like, grabbing coffee or grabbing lunch and just like, um, just reading a little bit about Jesus and, and talking about like, what you think about that as you get into conversations with people and they may have lots of questions you know, about Jesus or they may be struggling with something. You just invite them. Like, I would love to introduce you to, to Jesus as, as we see in the Bible and, and just see like, what he does, what you, know, what you think of him. Um, and, and so I encourage you, if you do that with somebody, pick the Gospel of Mark. I mean, you can pick any of the Gospels, right? But the Gospel of Mark's really simple. It's just one story after another about Jesus. And so it's really easy just to pick a story at a time, like moving throughout the whole book, taking one story at a time, getting together with people, you know, multiple times. And, and you just just four steps when you get together with people then. Read it. Read it. Like read it out loud together. I know, like, really revolutionary here, right? Like, don't underestimate the power of the living word of God. Just read together out loud. So read it. Maybe you read it, you both read it out loud so that you can allow it to, uh, to really understand what's being said. And then one of you retell it. What's the gist of the story? Like, what's just summarize it. Like, give the, the flow of the story. Retell it. Then both of you together detail it. What sticks out? What stuck out to you? Like, what was maybe weird? What was interesting? What, like, what uh, do you not understand? Like, just bring the details out that really stuck out to you. What sticks out? And then, lastly, discuss it. And you discuss it with, like, three, three simple questions. What does it teach about God and Jesus? What does it te- teach about humanity? And what does it teach about following Jesus? So what does it teach about God? What does it teach about humanity? And what does this teach about following Jesus? And kind of the rules of the game with that one is like, hey, we're not like giving judgment about what these things say, but just like, you know, what is, what is John or Mark or whoever it is that wrote it, like what are they claiming about God, humanity, and following Jesus? And then you can talk about, you can break down like, well, you know, if they don't agree with something or like, I don't know that I buy that yet. And, and maybe in that moment, one of the most helpful questions can be, one of the most powerful questions is just simply asking them, but do you wish that was true? Like the, the life they're claiming that Jesus provides, do you wish that was true? And that and could just begin to help people take even like one kind of tiny step in consideration of Jesus. And look, if, if they ask you questions about what you're reading that you don't have the answers for, like don't view it as like a freak out moment. View it as an opportunity. Questions are an opportunity to say, hey, I don't know the answer to that question. But I know some people that might, and so do you mind if I like, go and, and, and find the answer, and then maybe we get together again and we can talk about it some more. It's a great way to have a follow-up, right, and then to get together and, and meet again. And so just like see questions as an opportunity. And then lastly, so we share Jesus in his word, we share Jesus in our life, but then we also need to share Jesus in his church, right, in his people. And the, the experience I had yesterday is something that I can I can share with others, but like if they get to, you know, just be a part of the community of God's people, like to belong maybe before they believe, then they can begin to see that for themselves, to experience the love of Christ through others. So you can invite them just to be a part of the community. You can invite them to this gathering even, just very simply. Not so that like, hey, you need a pastor to be able to preach so that someone else can do the sharing of Jesus rather than you. No, you can share Jesus. That's the whole point of this. But Just another way to do it is to invite them to this gathering. Maybe to to hear the gospel proclaimed through a message, but also through the singing, through the community that happens, through, we had a baptism in the first service, but every week we take the Lord's Supper. And those two things are meant to to point to Jesus, to be a picture so that people can see Jesus and, and see what he's offering to the world around us. And so I just encourage you to share Jesus through the church as well. So we've talked about, like, our mission is simple. It's see Jesus, share Jesus. But then we get to watch Jesus work. And that's what happens in the second half of this passage. We get to watch Jesus work. In verses 38 through 39, when when, uh, he's interacting with a couple of John's disciples, we see that Jesus draws people to himself. Right? They, they're just kind of like checking them out from afar, and then he realizes they're doing that, and he begins to draw them in. What are you seeking? Come stay with me. Come check it out. Right? People come to see Jesus oftentimes one step at a time. And it's, off, like, it's often not the radical overnight transformation of like, you know I was addicted to drugs, and then I, I met Jesus, and I wasn't. like I'd never heard of Jesus before, and suddenly I came to faith. Like, sometimes that happens, and praise God. But it's not always that. Sometimes it's it's just one step of checking out Jesus, followed by another step, just like the disciples of John the Baptist. And we can watch Jesus work, because he's the one that draws all people to himself. But then Jesus brings transformation. Like, we're not the ones, we don't bear that load in this mission. We're not the ones that bring transformation. Jesus does. When Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus, this is what happens. He brings him to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and says, You are Simon, son of the John. You shall be called Cephas. He gives him a new identity. He transforms him. He turns his life upside down by giving him a new identity. And sure, that teases out over the years to come, but, but he transforms Peter's life right then and there. And so we get to step back and watch Jesus work no matter how fast or slow jesus works in people's lives we can trust that he is working every time we introduce people to him in some form or fashion we can't see the arc of everyone's stories and not everyone's going to come to faith in jesus but jesus is at work drawing all people to himself according to scripture elsewhere in scripture we see that we're called to plant and water we're given this picture of a plant with paul and he said Like we plant gospel seed, we water it, like we cultivate it, but but at the end of the day, we we can't force a plant to grow. Like God gives the growth. And so our mission is simple and and it's and it's not like a heavy burden to bear because we can't control what people's responses will be. We can't provide the transformation. We're not meant to. And so embrace that mission. The simplicity of the mission mission to see Jesus, share Jesus, and watch him work. Anthem Church. We have a dream to see 1% of Columbia reached with the gospel. Can you imagine the kind of transformation that could take place if we see that happen? People's lives turned around, of, of families healed, brokenness healed, that we could see communities even turned upside down throughout this city and on your campus if we were to reach 1% of Columbia with this gospel. If we were to see Jesus and share Jesus faithfully. like Can you imagine if God does bring in a harvest like that, what it would do. And we pray towards that, and may we see Jesus and share Jesus faithfully, trusting God with the results, and praying for that 1%, praying for even more than that. But may we be the laborers that go out into that harvest. Because remember this, God intends to do this mission through you and through me. And we've got to ask ourselves this morning, are we a kink in the supply chain? Like, is the life of Jesus failing to get to people, the people of Columbia, the campus of Mizzou, because of you or me? Because we're not seeing and sharing Jesus like he calls us to. Like, do we need to repent today before the Father? Do we need to turn from fear and pursuing our own selfish desires to pursue the safety that we can make for ourselves? so that we might do this mission are we the kink in the supply chain cuz here's the beauty of what we've seen today is that it doesn't have to be overly complicated and god will use it in people's lives to bring life into this world if we're simply faithful this mission isn't impossible It's totally possible with God, and it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It is God's heart to bring life to our city and our campus. So church, remember, our mission is simple. May we see Jesus, share Jesus, and watch Jesus work. Let's go out into our city and onto our campus and do the work God's called us to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the good news of Jesus, that he is the Lamb of God who's taken away our sins God, that that you have stepped in when we didn't deserve it, that you loved us while we were still your enemies. God, we praise you for the good news of the gospel. And we pray that we would walk in reliance upon the life that you provide. Day in and day out, that we would see you more and more so that then with courage and clarity, we would share with you, share you with others around us. And God, may you bring in great a great harvest on our campus and in our community for your glory above all else, but also for the good of those who don't yet know you. Father, may you do a work in and around us that's just undeniably a work of your hand and your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.